We are now going to get into our message this morning. So go ahead, grab your Bibles, get your notebooks out, and get ready to hear a word from God. Church, so glad that we get to be here together. I hope that you're glad to be here. Yes. Well, good. Uh, we at Restoration Church, if you're here in Dover today, we are joined during our preaching time by our Plymouth and Milton locations. Put your hands together and welcome them here. We are. We're so excited to be, uh, to be preaching. I'm so excited to be preaching God's word to you this morning, preaching from the Bible, and then. Uh, uh, finishing up our series on the office, start a new series next week. And here's something interesting as I was thinking about this this morning. Um, we're going to be talking about something and preaching about something that in my 40 years of being a Christian, uh, I haven't, I've never heard someone preach on this. Uh, and, and so not just at Restoration Church, but when I was in Bible college, we went to, essentially went to church five days, six days a week. And, um, and then, you know, I go to church during the week, church online at other churches, uh, just to make sure that I've got pastors speaking into my life as well. I don't think I've heard a sermon on this. Doesn't mean one was never preached and I wasn't sleeping in the audience, but that there have, but I don't recall this ever being talked about. So I think this is cool. It's an opportunity for us to, uh, for us to grow and um, to be taught something maybe we've never thought about before. When I was 16 years old, I got a job at a car dealership. And uh, it was, honestly, it was a pretty good job. I'd go there kind of right after school. I'd work for a couple hours, and then, uh, and then I'd go home, and I'd kind of have the rest of my night to myself. But so I was at the car dealership. Um, I was detailing cars, getting them, you know, if they'd take in a trade-in or whatever, uh, I, would, I would clean it and wash it and get it ready to be put on the lot. I would also do other things like keeping the garage clean, uh, putting out bark mulch, and, and, you know, just different things like that. And when I went to the job for a job interview, I'll never forget, it was a September day, and uh, I, I sat down, I'm going through the interview, and the guy interviewing said to me, so what do you want to do when you graduate high school? Like, what do you want to do after college? So I sat there, and I said, well, uh, I want to be a minister. I want to be a pastor of a church one day. And the guy thought that was the funniest answer he'd never, he'd never heard. And he's like... Tell me that again. Uh, and, and so we talked about it for a couple seconds, and then the interview ended. He offered me the job, and I started probably like three or four days later. And as it wasn't very long after I'd worked there, maybe a couple of weeks, where the guy decided, the guy who hired me decided that he was just going to start 
antagonizing me or trying to provoke me and just trying to test out the authenticity of my walk with Jesus. And so I've read a number of stories that I could share, but I remember one in particular where I, I show up at uh, I show up at work, I'm, I'm cleaning this car, and the boss shows up, and he's pretty passive-aggressive, but he, so he comes out, and he starts asking me a series of questions, and he was pretty agitated. He said, so do you clean the cars when I ask you to? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what you hired me to do. Oh, yeah, you always clean the cars? I'm like, if you tell me to clean them, I clean them. What about the ashtrays? Do you clean out the ashtrays? This is, you know, multiple, many years ago. Do you clean out the ashtrays when, when you're cleaning the cars? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I clean the whole car. He's like, no, you don't. I'm like, no. I don't, no, what about that car over there? And he points to, it's probably like a 1994 Oldsmobile Calais, and I'm like, I haven't cleaned that car yet. He's like, no? I'm like, no. So that's probably why there's cigarettes still in the ashtray, because I've never cleaned that car yet. You haven't told me to clean that car. So he kind of like, oh, and it goes back into work, no apology or, or nothing, but then, I don't know if that's that same day or another day. I mean, this is a long time ago. My, my memory is kind of converting to hieroglyphics. The, <laughs> he, 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 I feel like it's the same day. He comes back out later and he says, do you know what a switch is? I'm like, like a light switch? He's like, no, like a switch, like a, a long stick that you'd whip people with. I'm like, yeah. He's like, go out into the woods and cut one and bring it back to me because I'm going to hit you with it. And I just looked at him I'm like... Okay, I'm gonna continue vacuuming out these ashtrays. And, and that was just a, a little bit of, of working with this guy. As a 16-year-old, working with a guy who was probably like mid-50s, um, that's how those interactions went. I just got a question for you. Has anybody ever worked for a bad boss? Put your hands up, let's see them, other locations, let other people know that you fit in. Now, that guy was honestly one of the best bosses I had. <laughs> I had some pretty terrible, terrible bosses in my life. That guy I liked. Um, and uh, <laughs> we, uh, today, uh, as we continue this office series, we're looking at the main character, uh, whose name is Michael Scott, and he's the manager of the Scranton branch of the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. In one episode, he shows everybody his coffee mug labeled world's best boss. And he, he talks a little bit about, about the things that people say as, he, as they work for his company, like I've never seen any place like this before. And, and as he's discussing being, you know, he's just recognizing that he's a great boss and, and his employees love working for him. And then he tells us, where he bought himself his mug. So he bought himself his own world's best boss mug. I didn't buy this. Michelle, one of Michelle's former employees actually bought this for her. None of my employees have ever, but they've done other great things. The, the uh, in this series, we've been talking about bringing Jesus into our workplace and and many of us have believed that 
that that isn't allowed, that we're not allowed to talk about Jesus or church in a workplace. We believe that we shouldn't talk about it, that it isn't a wise thing to talk about because you may upset someone, people might be offended, you might put a target on your back. And some of us have believed that we don't even know how. In the very first week of this series, we talked about that, that it isn't a difficult thing to, to, to talk about Jesus. It is not a difficult thing to let people know you're a Christian. And, um, and, and so if you've missed any of this series, jump back in on that first week and, and watch that and follow up with that. But this week, we're talking about that idea of being the world's best boss. And among, amongst all of our locations and online, there are a lot of you who are in a position of leadership at your company or at your place of work. And it could be, I mean, we've had teenagers over the years serving as shift managers at their, at, at their McDonald's. I'm pretty sure there's a teenager in our location doing that right now. Um, and we've had um, uh, people who, uh, who run their own company, who have their own employees. We have a lot of bosses represented in our church. And one thing I've never heard preached about is how to be the world's best boss. Or how do you merge being a Christian and a leader in the workplace? I haven't heard about that. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump around a lot today. If you don't have a Bible, I'll have them on the screen for you. But the first place I want you to turn to is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 3 and 4 together. Now, as you're turning there, just wanted to flip back in your memory to think about two weeks ago, if you were here, we had a guest speaker with us, Ty Buckingham. And, um, you know, obviously our Sunday morning was pretty powerful as people were responding in every location, allowing the, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their heart and in their life. And, and we saw the prayer of so many people saying, I want more of you than I had before. And that was an amazing thing. And it was, uh, it was awesome for me to see you responding and saying, God, I don't just want to go to church. I want to have a relationship with you. And God, I don't just want to, to have a relationship with you for my own benefit, but I want you to use me uh, to help other people. Then we had that worship night, which I know Pastor Jeremy talked about last week, but it was powerful. It was, a, it was a, just an amazing night. Um, you know, I think about one, uh, one teenager, 12-year-old boy uh, who, who, was, uh, who was here at the front. And by the end of the night, he's in tears. And he, he said to my son, I've never felt God before now. And he said, this is the first time I ever felt God. And that's amazing. Think of, and, but the thing that stands out to me is that night, we didn't stand in line to be prayed for by, by a celebrity, no, that prayer time, we prayed for each other. That we allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to us and say, who do you want me to pray for? And then throughout the room, we were praying for each other and God was using us to bring, uh, to bring, to minister to each other. That there were healings that night. There were, uh, there were people filled with the Holy Spirit that night. There were people who received a word of encouragement from the Lord that night. It was just powerful kind of throughout the whole, the whole entire thing. The one thing that we never want to lose sight on is that J Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, 
they did not only work within the context of a Sunday service. And, and so sometimes we forget that, that God exists outside of the, these worship times that we're together. And if he's able to do something in your life on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, he's able to do it on a Thursday morning or a Friday night. That he is not only able to work in your life during these times. The other thing that I've been talking about since the, the 10 years I've been lead pastor is that God doesn't, can't, God wants to use you outside of a Sunday service as well. And when I was growing up, one of the things that I, that I saw and I experienced is that there would be people and God would use them in a Sunday service. They would pray for people. They would give an encouragement to people, but they would never use that gift outside of a church service. And I always thought that's not what it was designed for. That's not why God gave it to us. When he uses us, when he empowers us, when he calls us to be ministers. He wants us to do that every day of the week. And I begin pushing people like, hey, if you've got a, if you've got a spiritual gift, I want you to start using it um, Monday through Saturday before you start using it on Sunday. Because Sunday, I think sometimes we prop up our gifts and try to make ourselves look more spiritual than we are. And if we have an authentic desire to be used by Jesus, not a selfish ambition to be recognized by other people in the room. Then we start using our gifts when there's no recognition, there's no fanfare, there's no chance of, of uh, you know, if you're single, there's no chance of someone falling in love with you because they think you're a super Christian. There's no selfish motivation behind that. And Ty talked throughout the whole weekend about going to Walmart and God asking him to pray for someone. He had multiple stories of that, and, and the, this is our prayer too. God, what happened two weeks ago in my life was amazing. What do you want me to do after church with that? And in that context, I want to think about if you're a boss or a leader, even if you only have one employee underneath you, or even if you just have one volunteer that you, that you lead, I want you to think through, all right, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to use my giftings as boss? How can, this, how can this be incorporated into my leadership, into my division, into my staff meetings? Is there a way that I can be led by you as I lead this part of the organization? And there, and there is, and there's a desire of God for you on that. And then for many of you, maybe you're not in the position of, of leadership right now, but some of you will be one day. 16 years old, I wasn't a leader. Wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, but as time went on, God began to give me those opportunities. He will do the same for you if that's his plan for your life. So if you're a boss, a manager, or a leader, in your organization, you have a different opportunity to show Jesus to your employees. You have a way of, of showing the genuineness of your relationship to your employees that can be surprising to them. And here's kind of, you know, something to think about. A Christian boss really should be the world's best boss. If you're in, uh, if you're working for a company that is not a Christian company, 
and maybe there's multiple managers and multiple divisions. People should have a desire to work for you because of how you represent Jesus. Because working for you, working for you is different than working for a manager who doesn't know Jesus. Now, why talk about this? Why talk about being a, uh, you know, the world's greatest boss? And um, that's where we're gonna look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses three and four. We don't ever wanna forget this, all right? The, everything that we do, our nine to five job, all right? Maybe you're on second shift or third shift, but our job, our leadership, our calling, even our recreation, it all connects to the gospel. It all connects to the good news of Jesus. It all connects as followers of Jesus to sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. Even your title at your company connects to that. The gospel, Paul writes, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Jesus, he didn't die because of his punishment. He died. He didn't die because of his sins. He didn't die because of the wrong things he did. He died because of the wrong things you did, because of the wrong things I did. Don't ever forget that. The beginning of the gospel. He died for us, just as the scripture said, verse number four, he was buried, was supposed to be over, but then he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said, just as Jesus said he would. We don't wanna forget the good news of Jesus, that we were, we're supposed to all die. We're supposed to all receive the punishment for our sins and for our lives, but Jesus died for us he died in our place. He died so that we could be forgiven. He died so that we could have a relationship with his father. He died so that we could have everlasting life. We don't want to forget. And that is our motivation in every area of my life. Why do I want to be a good dad? Because I want to share the good news with my kids. Why do we, I want to be a good husband? Because I want to share the good news with my wife. Why do I want to be a good neighbor? Because I want to share the good news with my neighbors. Why do I want to be a good boss? Because I want to share the good news with my employees and my coworkers. It is our motivation when we're living following Jesus. Every part of our life, even our leadership, begins to show up. It begins to reflect that. So how do you be the world's best boss? How do, you, how do you do this? Number one, if you're writing notes, write this down. A Christian boss submits to God. The typical attitude of a boss is, I'm the boss, you must submit to me. Do what I tell you to do and do it now. That is that is how a typical, uh, uh, very common boss, that's their response. But the Christian boss is not, I'm the, I'm the boss, do what I say. The Christian boss says, God, you're my boss. You're my boss. I lay my life down before you. I submit my actions and my attitudes to you. What is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to lead? James chapter four, verse number seven says, 
So humble yourselves before God. He's not talking to bosses here, but he's talking to the Christian. And you have to forget that your title of Christian, your title of follower of Jesus, it is the most important title you have. It's not manager or shift manager or, or CEO or CFO. It is Christian. We live that way first. When our relationship with God holds the top priority in our lives, all of our other relationships benefit. Our marriage benefits, our friendships benefit, our relationship with our parents, our kids benefit, our relationship with our coworkers or our employees benefits when Jesus is the priority of our life. When you're in that position, maybe Maybe you're going to get a promotion here this year or next year. Maybe you just got one. Maybe, you've, maybe you're in a position, but you've never thought about this before. To talk to God and ask him this, God, why do you have me here? Why did you put me in this office or behind this desk or with this fancy badge on my shirt? Why do you have me here? And throughout the Bible, many different places in scripture, we can see people who are put in a position of leadership, one that they'd never asked for, oftentimes one that they didn't think they deserved, but it was for a specific reason, and it was, an, it was a specific assignment given to them by God. You can think about Joseph who gets put as second in charge over the nation of Egypt, went from being a slave to a prisoner to leader of the largest nation in the world. Think about Daniel, who's put in Babylonian government authority as a, as a Hebrew man. You can think about, uh, about uh, Joshua put over the Hebrew army. Think about Esther, who has been chosen to be queen, and many others. God put them there as part of his strategic plan, as part of his sovereign plan, and, as, and, and with a purpose. God didn't put you in that position without a plan, without a reason. Ask him, God, why did you put me here? What is your purpose? And God, God is very strategic. He could have put you there just for the very purpose of praying for someone five years from now. I wanna put you here because five years from now, I need you to be here. He could put you in that position because he wants you to have the ability to hire other people. He could put you in that position because he wants you to be a kingdom builder. To, he, he's putting you in a position to increase your authority, to increase your pay so that you can increase your giving. It's very strategic. He's saying, I'm gonna put you in this position because there's a Bible college that I wanna start in Cuba. And so I'm gonna put you here in New Hampshire in this position because I'm gonna use you over the next couple of years to fund that. Begin to ask, God, what do you have for me? All of a sudden, your job's not a job anymore. It's an assignment from God. 
It's got an eternal purpose. And it puts a little bit of wind in your sails, realizing that you're doing what God has called you to do. A Christian boss lifts people up. Probably the opposite we've seen. It's a boss that's holding people down, keeping them from promotions, keeping them from pay raises, keeping them from being their boss one day. I think that's uh, many terrible bosses' worst nightmare is that you will end up being their boss one day, so they're going to try to get you to quit and leave the job before that could ever happen. Christian boss, we're not fearful of this. Why? Because they're not in charge of our destiny. God is. So we're lifting them up. We're helping them to get their credentials. We're helping them to get the pay raises. We're helping them to get their promotions. Because if they get a promotion, that doesn't take away from what God's able to do in, my, in our life. We know that our God is limitless. He doesn't go obsolete like an Atari or Nintendo game system. He doesn't run out like, you know, like they keep telling us we're going to run out of oxygen or, or, or oil or sunlight. He doesn't run out. There's not an end time to him. And it's not even like, uh, like a, a substance or, or anything like that where you begin to use it and then it wears off an effect. No, the more you pursue God, the more you see that his mercies are new every morning. That the more you pursue God, the more you realize there is so much more of him to pursue and understand and experience. There never gets for us the point where we come to God and we say, I've kind of seen it all. And he's like, well, just start over. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think you'd live this long. I'm sorry. He never runs out of goodness. So we don't have to hold people down thinking that they're taking something from us. No, God is our supplier, not even the corporation that we work for. The other is this, you know, we lift people up, but then there's the boss who just puts people down. And jump back to my, my boss when I was 16 years old. Honestly, I should have reported him or something. Uh, but... Uh, I'm holding out. I'm pretty sure he still works at a car dealership. Now, fast forward, he got fired before I did. <laughs> and, um, but I'm pretty sure he, he and his son have a car dealership in South Berwick. I'm pretty sure, South Berwick, Maine. So I'm holding out. I'll eventually show up there and get a good deal. So I'm holding out. So I haven't seen him since that day uh, he got fired. But, um, I remember one Saturday morning, they had me come in and, uh, and, and work on a Saturday, which wasn't typical. And he comes in, and there used to be a bakery in Summersworth called Pearl's Bakery. And uh, so he comes in the back of the garage where, where I'm working, and he said, hey, I got you a bear claw. And I'm like, oh, great. He pulls out of the bag, and it was like, it was deformed. It had been like crushed in his car or whatever. He pulls it out, and he goes, it's a bit demented. It reminded me of you. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, have you seen your mustache? Why are you going to pick on me? So anyway, I ate that. It was, it was a great bear claw. I wish Pearl's Bakery was still around. But, uh, you know, that's just like, hey, I'm just going to remind you, you're a peon. I'm the boss. 
a Christian boss doesn't act that way. And, and, and unfortunately, you probably have. I know I've had Christian bosses over the years who have acted that way. Don't act that way. Lift people up, encourage people. Well, what if you have a terrible employee? You can encourage them to get a new job. You, <laughs> you don't have to put them down. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Think about that in your workplace. How are you talking to your employees? How are you trying to motivate them? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. If you're a Christian boss, that scripture applies to you. I mean, it applies to every believer and follower of Jesus, but it applies to you. Two more real quick. A Christian boss cares, Psalm 78, 72, talking about King David. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. Care for them. Care for your employees. Firing people is not a great thing. It should not be an easy thing. Number four, a Christian boss has rare character. Proverbs 16, 32. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. I'm gonna share with you four things right now. I need you to write these down. I don't want you to forget this. These are very, very important. We're thinking about Jesus following him. We're thinking about Jesus in any position of influence he might have for us in the future. We can very quickly leave Jesus for an opportunity. Very quickly. I can't come to church anymore. I got to work. Why don't you just not work? Well, if I don't work on Sundays, I'll never get that promotion. You, we have got to trust God when I keep you as priority of my life, you'll work out all the details. I don't have to neglect you to get something. First thing, your character is more important than your career. You can lie, cheat, steal, fornicate your way to the top, but your character is more important than that. Your reputation is more important than your resume. Your testimony is more important than your tenure. Well, if I, if I, Stand up for this. If I speak out against this, if I let people know I'm a Christian, I'll lose my tenure. That means my retirement. That means my position. That means my paycheck. And we serve money instead of serving our God. The last one is this. The gospel is more important than your goals. I'll never say those all over again because I think if you think about being a Christian boss, this breaks it down for us. Your character is more important than your career. Your reputation is more important than your resume. Your testimony is more important than your tenure. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is more important than your goals. We live for him. We live for his name. Not for our company name, not for our name, 
not for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. This is the Christian life. The band is gonna come up at every location, and I know I know a bunch of you are in places of leadership. Some of you aren't, as they're coming up and getting into their place. I just want to go through. If you have a bad boss, and you likely do, or you likely will, they're pretty common. Um, how do you how do you go to work tomorrow? You get a jerk, a jerk, jerk boss. How do you handle this? Um, some scriptures here to help you. Colossians 3.23, how, how do you work? Well, number one, you work as unto the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, you are working for the Lord. It's not your boss that's determining your next promotion. It's the Lord. So you work, you give good effort, you honor the Lord in that terrible assignment He'll get you to another assignment. He'll get you to a different assignment. Um, Sometimes we have a bad boss, we can be demotivated, and there's a temptation to cheat our company of hours or even just effort. This guy's an idiot, I'm not working hard for him. I'm only gonna give the minimum, nothing over. That's a temptation. But we're not working for him or for her, we're working for the Lord. Uh, Second thing, maintain Christ-like character. 1 Peter 2.12, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors or your unbelieving coworkers. Then even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. They're not gonna admit that they're wrong right now. No, they're gonna do everything they can to get you to leave the company maybe successfully, but again, they haven't stolen anything from you. They can't, they don't have that authority. Anything they try to take, God will restore. If you lose a position, don't fret, don't become bitter. God will get you in another one. While you're there working at that place of employment, don't backbite, gossip, or be lazy. You are still Jesus to the terrible boss and you are still Jesus to your coworkers. They're not going to read the Bible, likely not going to read the Bible to read about Jesus and what he was like. They're going to look at you to to try to figure out who Jesus is and what he was like. Maintain Christ-like character. The last thing here, leave well. If you are working for a terrible boss, I mean, I think you should. (laughs) I didn't stay at that job very long. Uh, Three months, I got another job. You don't need to stay being abused by a boss, being tortured, put out resumes. Everybody, everywhere is hiring right now. You don't need to be mistreated. Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. And the day you die is better than the day you are born. Leave well. You've spent maybe three months like I did in that job, um, telling people I'm gonna be a minister one day when you leave at the end of it, how are you gonna leave? You know, when, my, when, when that guy, uh, my manager, who was such a jerk to me, when he got fired, he came to me and he's like, hey, this is my last day, you know, me and my son, we're leaving. Um, I want you to know, the only reason I hired you is because you said you were gonna be a minister. And I'm like, all right. Did I, did I act, did I ever curse back at him? Did I ever, no, I just did my job. 
I forgave him. I knew what he was. I knew what he was trying to do ultimately. He was trying to get me to act in a way that would allow him to reject Jesus. And that's what a lot of people are doing. When you lash out or you cuss or you begin freaking out, then they can take a deep breath and say, uh, see, Jesus isn't real. I don't have to change. But when you're continually honoring Jesus in your life and they continue to try to provoke you, then when they stand before God, this is, and he's like, hey, I had this person working for you. You're like, yeah, I can't deny it, you're real. I mean, you put them there. Because what some people will try to do when they get before God is to say, I never knew about you. No one ever told me about you. But because you've represented Jesus well, there's, there will be no excuse. Yeah, I knew that they really followed you. I had, to get them, I had to get rid of them because I couldn't handle it anymore. I don't want to follow you. I didn't want to. I'd like to take that all back. Is there a chance? No, sorry. You represent that. So how do we live that out? Practically, give your two weeks notice. They don't have to accept it, but offer it. Don't steal intellectual property or clients when you leave. Have ethics. Act right. Act biblically. Act in a way that honors God. Last scripture here, and I just go ahead in every location you can stand. I'm gonna pray for you, and, uh, and then we'll sing. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. But how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? It's true. How can, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to call on him to save, it, to save you. And how can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? How do you call on the name of someone to save you and to rescue you if you've never even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And that's our job. That's our job, to act right, to live right, to speak right, not to be ashamed of what Jesus has done in our life because imagine life without him. I don't even want to. I don't even want to try to. You close your eyes. Let me pray for you. As you get your eyes closed, if you're a boss or a manager or a leader, will you raise your hand up at me? You're leading someone in your organization or even just one employee. So many hands. You can put those down. I want to pray for the bosses. Maybe some of you have just been a terrible jerk boss because that's how you're trained to be. You're probably going to go back and have some one-on-ones or a staff meeting and just say, hey guys, I haven't been treating you right. I'm sorry. You're going to reset a new culture. You're going to start making a new reputation. Jesus, I just pray for every leader, manager, uh, everybody that you've put in a place of leadership in a company or an organization or a corporation, uh, even in a school district, in, in our church. God, you have strategically positioned us in places of leadership that we could help bring your kingdom into these uh, into these forgotten places in the world. God, we're surrounded every day by people who think it's just about money, who think about it's just about pleasure, who think that it's hopeless, that just one day we're gonna die. But you've given us that good news. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've sent us, sent us into all these places 
to share you. We don't have to be over at the top about it or weird about it, but we just get that chance to show you well, to act in character, character integrity, to, to be your hands and feet to our coworkers and to share Jesus when the opportunity is right, when the, when, when the person asks, when we've given that, that, that uh, moment to be able to share who you are and what you've done in our life. I pray, God, we live in such a way that people will ask. And I pray that we'd live in such a way that our reputation would, and our, would line up with our testimony and it would line up with your word. Help us be people of character, people of integrity, godly people full of the Holy Spirit who are serving you, not just on Sunday morning, but every day of the week. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing for a moment.